My name is Taylor and I'm here to say I can't rap so I won't. How many people do you think looked at our episode title thought, oh no, these girls are going to try and rap? Last week they did impressions of The Godfather. (laughs) What is going to happen this week? Well, guess what? We're not going to do that because we can't and we shouldn't and it would be really bad. So you're welcome. (laughs) We are definitely a singing podcast, but I guess we're not a rapping one. Yeah. Well, we don't sing either. Remember? We never sing. Yeah. That's been our promise since day one. (laughs) That we've not kept. (laughs) Yeah. But I am named Taylor. And I am here to say, this is So It's a Show, a podcast where we attempt to keep up with Lorelai and Rory's pop culture references on Gilmore Girls. And I'm Kyla, and I'm also here to say, yeah, I'm not going to try to rap. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) I thought about it. We all thought about it. I mean, that's just part of the deal, right? Yeah. When you know you're going to do something related to rap, you just want to rap about it. And then you realize, bad idea. Yeah. But at least we recognized mm-hmm. that before it was too late. <laughs> well, should we just dive in and then uh, teaser? In a few minutes, we'll be talking to a special guest. Yeah. <laughs> so the episode of Gilmore Girls we're talking about today is Gilmore Girls 408 Die Jerk. <laughs> Ugh, R.I.P. Rory's likability. This is not <laughs> her most likable episode. No. Uh, this episode originally aired November 11th, 2003, and the IMDb plot summary, this is another novel, so get ready. After receiving advice from the Yale Daily News editor, a.k.a. Doyle, <laughs> on what he is looking for, Rory's next article is a huge hit with everybody except the dancer she reviewed. Richard and Emily return from their Atlantic City business trip while Lane is told to send a special jug to Dave in California. (laughs) Marriage jug. Hashtag marriage jug. Mm -hmm. Lorelai confronts Luke about his relationship with Nicole, and Bruce confronts Lorelai in her anti-midwife energy on retarding the baby's acquisition rate. Oh my word, they covered everything. I know. It feels like we, there's no happy medium. Like, we either get one sentence or we get all the way down to Bruce being mad at Lorelai for her anti-midwife. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like the F plot. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That was pretty in depth. Yes. We're actually going to be talking about the A plot today. We could have stopped after the first sentence. (laughs) So yeah, Rory writes that mean article calls, well, she doesn't call the dancer a hippo. She compares her. Or she was really mm-hmm. a, what was that? It was really a criticism of the costumer. Yes. <laughs> um. So she wants wants a do-over to be a little nicer. And uh, this is how she tries to sell it to Doyle. But your review was great. People are still talking about it. That's pretty rare. Okay, okay. Well, what about just um, a general interest article on the lead ballerina? Is she the hippo? No, no. She is an accomplished dancer, and her life is quite fascinating. Did you know that she studied dance for 14 years and has performed in Miami? Miami. That's pretty big. Miami. It's boring. Well, she almost got into Juilliard. It's not interesting either. 
Well, no, but these are simply background facts of a fascinating personal journey, a personal journey of an artist struggling against the indifference of an indifferent society and just dancing as fast as she can. And, and well, it's Eight Mile meets fame. We've already covered fame, so that's why we decided, well, yeah, we can get at this reference easy. And is this the most recent reference we've ever done? I mean, this is compared to so many other things we talk about. I mean, Eminem is still making music today. Yeah. Yeah. Hashtag relevant. (laughs) Hashtag he was at the Oscars a couple months ago. Fun fact. Teaser for our next episode. I'm going to vaguely give both episodes coming out back to back in May are about 2000s movies that were tangentially related to this year's Oscars ceremony. Wow, Taylor. And get excited. If that doesn't get you excited for this episode and the next, I don't know what will. (laughs) So we rebroadcast our fame episode last week so that you guys could definitely be prepared for this episode because we're covering 8 Mile. Yeah. Everyone's mom and dad's favorite movie absolutely if they don't love it for the profanity (laughs) they'll love it for the violence oh yes um exactly the um movie i know my parents wish they would have shown me back in 2002 (laughs) although i think you're overselling the violence there's not that much for a movie that you might expect yeah there's still unnecessary just extra True. It all feel the whole movie felt very confrontational to me. That's fair. So, Eight Mile. It's about B-Rabbit trying to make it in the rapping world of Detroit. But guess what? He lives on one side of town and the all the other rappers live on the other side. And he's not super welcome, but he has friends who believe in him and help him get to the top of the Detroit rapping world. Yeah. And we open up, we start the movie. He is supposed to be taking the mic on, uh, supposed to be showing off his lyrical prowess, and you kind of see him psyching himself up in this grungy bathroom. And then he gets out there and he just chokes. Yeah, that was, that was sad. I felt for him. Yeah. We've all had our moments in front of a crowd where we completely bomb. Now, I've never been in, like... I said I can't rap, so I've never been in that particular <laughs> scenario. But, yes. And then he throws up his mom's spaghetti. <laughs> Hashtag <laughs> foreshadowing. <laughs> and then you find out that his girlfriend is pregnant. And they broke up, but he left her the car. And now he has no place to live, so he goes back to go to his mom's trailer, where she lives with her abusive boyfriend, walks in on them having a good time, which is really uncomfortable, if that's your mom. Also, not my mom and I was really uncomfortable. And he gets to move in to the chagrin of his mom's boyfriend free riding boyfriend who keeps saying his settlement checks coming in soon and his what six-year-old sister yeah really young something like that and he has a job 
at a car manufacturing plant. And the thing that stuck out to me about this movie is literally everywhere he goes, there is a rap battle to be had. For real. On the lunch break at work. With his friends. In these rap battle places. In the parking lot. I know lots. I'm not that... Yeah, exactly. I know I'm not that cool, but just, like, how does he keep finding these places? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this is a normal thing for cool people, to just, like, happen upon a rap battle, but I have never, ever done it in my entire life. Your style is generic. Mine's authentic made. I roll like a renegade. You need clinic aid. My technique's bizarre and ill. I scar and kill. You were a star until I served you like a bar and grill. Cause I proceed to cook and grill ya. That's all it took to kill ya. You better recognize me like I look familiar. You wanna battle? You beat around also, the Also, 90s? I don't know, people were out more? I yes, mean, the movie... yes, compared to now, but also... <laughs> <laughs> yes, not to today specifically, in general, yes. Yeah. Uh, the movie is set in 1995. And... Yeah, so B-Rabbit is trying to find his way but he keeps saying he's not gonna battle again he's not ready and his so his friend group was interesting he had like the idiot friend who shot himself in the leg because he put a gun in his pants um did not put the safety on and he has friends who one friend trying to get him into the Detroit rap scene, another friend promising him we can record a demo and send it off to these people. But he was not legit in ways that I didn't actually fully understand. I didn't either, honestly. Yeah. But we'll get to it. But I got the sense in the end it was more just B-Rabbit or his birth name, Jimmy. Learning, he kind of has to learn to do things on his own and not rely on other people. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. He got another love interest, Brittany Murphy. Mm-hmm. And she was not very stable either. I, she, I, their relationship was very up and down. I didn't really ever feel like they were together. They were just... Would be physically involved up, and then... And then all of a sudden she's hooking up with the guy who promises him a demo in the recording studio, of all places. Yeah. At the which they know <laughs> B-Rabbit was about to come by. So that seems well thought out. Yeah. So we said how there were a lot of rap battle opportunities, but also... It seemed like every scene was about these friends confronting each other and, like, telling each other the hard truths about themselves. Like, every Mm -hmm. time, I'm like, is this what male relationships are? You just tell each (laughs) other hard truths every time you meet up? It was, they were very intense. is a kind term. A lot of them were just straight up (laughs) insults. (laughs) But they felt like they were always saying, well, you always do this. Like, they they felt like they were uh, truthful. I don't know. It didn't feel like I'm just trying to insult you. It felt like I'm going to tell you about yourself. And yeah, I guess it's an insult, but it's like, I, I don't know. Oh, just very confrontational. All we ever do, man, is talk 
We need to get fat rides. No, what we need to do is put our money in savings bonds. No, what we need to do is get our songs on JLB, man. All of us never did about nothing. We're still broke and living home with our moms. I'm out of here. I'll catch you guys later. And, I mean, they also spend time burning down houses. There was a girl who got assaulted in an abandoned house, so they just decided to take it upon themselves to burn down that house so nobody else is assaulted there. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the most ethical way to handle it, but I'm glad that they are concerned about this mm-hmm. and want to try and fix that situation. They also go joyriding with some paintball guns. Yes. <laughs> and fun fact, that is a real cow on 8 Mile that mm. you, I assume they have cleaned up the paint since then, but there is a big cow head on top of a restaurant That's that they awesome. shoot with a paintball. I love when there's like thing. giant ice cream cone or a giant donut outside of a restaurant. I like well, you just love donuts. Fun <laughs> yeah, fact about true. Carla. She loves donut everything. Yeah, I've got a giant donut pillow sitting behind me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but eventually he does make it. B-Rabbit makes it to the battle. He decides he's going to do it, and he rips the other guy apart. That was a scene that I had seen before. That was the only scene from the movie that I'd ever watched because it showed up on YouTube. And he does an awesome job. He basically raps about all the insults that this other guy could throw at him. So taking away all of his opponent's options. When I know something about you, you went to Cranbrook, that's a private school. What's the man, a dog, you in Paris? This guy's a gangster? His real name is Clarence. And Clarence lives at home with both parents. And Clarence's parents have a real good marriage. And so the other guy ends up doing exactly what Eminem did in the beginning and choking. Because he took away all his material, which I thought was a pretty ingenious move. That's pretty boss. Like, yeah. Owning the fact that you know you're kind of a loser to everybody else. And instead of trying to hide it or ignore it or be ashamed of it, he's just like, this is who I am. This is my story. Not all of it's great, but it's me. Yeah. Yeah, and and then you just kind of assume that he makes it big, and spoiler alert, the real-life Eminem does. <laughs> yeah. Sure does. And even his mom makes it out okay. She ends up winning at bingo after her abusive boyfriend <laughs> leaves her. Uh-huh. And I, she kind of, for a moment, seems like she's like, you know what, I'm going to be self-sufficient. I feel like that was kind of the big idea of the movie, being self-sufficient instead of waiting yeah. for other people to come around and give you opportunities. He's like, you know what, I'm not going to record that demo. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to record my own. Yeah. Yeah. So we decided to bring on a self-proclaimed Eminem expert, my friend Heather. Hello, Heather. Hey. So you're going to, like, tell us way more than we were able to find out in the time that we're researching for this episode. But hopefully we, I don't know, maybe we'll teach you something. Maybe that'll be the goal of this. (laughs) So we can tell you one thing you didn't know. Yeah, that'd be awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. So let's see. Where do we begin, Taylor? 
Well, first, I just, since I am meeting you for the first time, I just wanted to get a sense of, tell me about Eminem and your love for him and how that began, what, what the, what is your draw to him? So I really liked Eminem back when MTV had like their, when they still, you know, had music videos or whatever, mm-hmm. the Slim Shady LP, I mean, I remember watching my name is and like I was like okay whatever and then guilty conscience I really liked that song but like I wasn't like a huge fan I just really liked the music and like the videos and stuff and right. then when the map the Marshall Mathers uh LP came out the way I am really spoke to me but the real Slim Shady was kind of like what made me a fan I remember my friend Missy and I like we would like sit at her house and like like listen to his music and like try to memorize the lyrics. But mm-hmm. when the Eminem show came out, that's like what made me a stan, I guess. Like and I <laughs> okay. because I mean in the Marshall Mathers LP, like obviously the song Stan. Um I like that song too. But like when that one came out, when the Eminem show came out, that made me a stan. And it was his song, um, Sing for the Moment that really like resonated with me. Because he was talking about, like, you know, just people who are, like, listening to our songs and our lyrics just to, like, help them get through some stuff. And, like, I've always struggled with, like, depression and mental illness and stuff like that. And so, like, it really just resonated with me. He also talked about, like, his dad leaving, which also I resonated with. So I think that's really where I became, like, a huge fan of him and, like, a stan. Mm -hmm. And then every album after that I basically loved, except for Relapse. That one was like kind of like eh, but I mean I've seen him in concert. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I mean I've seen him in concert five times. He's like wow. my favorite person, and his lyrics. I mean, he could like just sing the ABCs, and I probably would like it to be <laughs> honest. But <laughs> that's kind of where I, yeah. Again, it was just like his lyrics and under and relating to them. I guess that like really mm-hmm. made me like a huge fan. And at the time, were there other artists who were covering the same those same issues, you know, mental illness and things, but not as honestly? Or was he kind of unique in that at the time? I feel like he was unique in that because I did not know of any other artists, like, covering that. Yeah. Because even now, people struggle to talk about those things. So that he was doing that, you know, how many years ago? Ten years ago? Oh, oh this this is 2002. Oh, so, gosh. Yeah. I can't believe it could be that many years ago. 18 years 18 ago. Years ago. <laughs> oh, geez. Wow. And then you also, you have a couple M&M tattoos, don't you? Um, I have one, yes. I have okay, uh, one. Yep. So on my rib cage, I have lyrics from Not Afraid, which just says, just letting you know you're not alone. And then has his name next to it. So I had a friend who committed suicide back in 2012, no, 2011. Um, And so I got those, so I got those lyrics put on me or obviously tattooed it on me. But that song also was like a, a song that really like it spoke to me. Just because, again, like I've struggled with so much um, and he was talking about his addiction and all that because, you know, supposedly he has struggled with like bipolar disorder and stuff like that throughout his entire life. So, 
again, those lyrics just like it's a constant reminder. Like when I see them, like just letting you know you're not alone. Like you can get through this. You can do. You can make it through. Yeah. So. Yeah, and it seems like at like at the time when he was first coming out, he was like the bad boy, and he had what parents were don't listen to Eminem, you know, were shouting those messages, but. I don't know. I think maybe they just weren't looking at what he was really saying because he had some of those funny, like goofy, uh, irreverent lyrics, but also some really real stuff. So, yeah, I mean, like my parents didn't really know I was listening to him. I remember um, (laughs) I remember my grandma one time we were in her like minivan and I had the I had one of the CDs in her like CD player because I could like plug my headphones into a jack in the back and like listen to his music and she could listen Mm -hmm. to music like whatever she wanted to listen to. And she decided like for some reason to like turn that off and like listen to it like in the van. And she got she immediately like pulled the CD out because she realized what I was listening to was so mad at me. And I'm like, (laughs) but I love him. Like you don't understand. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely remember back in the day. I think it was also just the general profanity, not even the subject matter he was discussing. Mm -hmm. It was just like, at the time, I feel like he and 50 Cent were the two that parents in my circle were like, those are the bad ones. Don't listen to them. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't didn't even know who 50 Cent was. I was pretty out of the loop. (laughs) (laughs) What? Who doesn't know who 50 Cent was? Well, I mean, when I was, when Eminem was out, I, I knew about Eminem, but not 50 Cent. Gotcha. Is that still bad? Eh, no, I mean, not bad. (laughs) Uh, So I guess, should we get a little bit into 8 Mile? Yeah. Sure. Heather, how many times have you seen this movie? Probably, I I actually, I don't watch it that often. I've probably seen it like 20 times, maybe. (laughs) Hey, that is still... That's still a hefty amount. 19 (laughs) more times than I have seen it. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Uh, this is one that I'd always been curious about. I think because I thought it was very bi- biographical of Eminem, but it actually has a lot of differences. So I realized after I watched it that, no, it's not just his life, but there's some similarities. Mm-hmm. Quick overview of the movie for people who are not familiar. This movie came out in 2002. It stars Eminem, Brittany Murphy, Kim Basinger, Anthony Mackie making his debut, uh, film debut, and he is known now in the Marvel movies, so that's a pretty big change. And Michael Shannon, also in it. It went on to win Best Original Song at the Oscars, which is somewhat timely because uh, it came up at the Oscars again this year. It was the number 23 highest grossing movie of 2002, and actually that song is pretty well regarded, and the movie itself. I did a little digging, and I think in my head I just kind of assumed critically it wasn't accepted because it was about the life of a pop star. I mean, I know he's a rapper, but like kind of those very famous people, a lot of times those movies are pretty critically planned, like Britney Spears, or remember when we talked about Glitter? um, Yes, Mariah Carey. Carey. Yeah, actually it was pretty well received. Uh, The American Film Institute calls it the number 93 best movie song for Lose Yourself. And uh, had pretty good reviews, showed up on a lot of top 10 lists at the end of the year. Yeah. So a lot of people actually really liked this movie when it came out. 
Yeah, you're right. That is surprising because, like, Mariah Carey's Glitter and other movies like that where it's basically, I'm a musician and now I'd like a movie, please. Yes. Um, those don't tend to go very well. But this one was probably a little more thoughtful, thoughtfully made. Yes. If you would like to see the opposite end of the spectrum, I highly recommend Cool as Ice, the vanilla ice movie from the early 90s. It is so bad. It's I have good. not seen that. I have it not. Is. Se- what? What is that? Exactly. It is, <laughs> like, what? It is an early 90s feature film starring Vanilla Ice in which he plays a loose version of himself. And it is so bad. So bad, but so good. Uh, the sister <laughs> from Home Alone is his love interest in it. And at one point in the movie, he sneaks into her house and wakes her up by dropping an ice cube in her mouth. I just want you to know that oh. happens. Oh my. Wow. It's a treat. This is not that movie. (laughs) Yeah, this, I I enjoyed it. I would say it's probably not one that I'm going to watch 20 times, (laughs) but I liked it. I was fully entertained. What about you, Taylor? Honestly, I was a little disappointed. I kept waiting for him to Mm. sing Lose Yourself, and it doesn't happen to the credit. Yeah. They kept teasing yeah, it throughout the movie actually... in the score, and then, nope, you don't even get to see him sing it. I was a little disappointed. Wait, yeah, yes, I mean, you get to see him write it, though. Like, while True. he's, like, on the bus or whatever, like, when he's, like, mm-hmm. thinking about it, like, you get to see that mm-hmm. part of it. And then, obviously, they put a music video about it, so, I don't know. True. Like, I actually have not seen the music video. Why didn't I do that? I didn't even yeah, think to check for that. Either. Man. I didn't spend enough time watching MTV music videos growing up. <laughs> uh, so I looked into ways that this was like his real life, Eminem's real life, and how it was different. To Heather, you mentioned about we saw him write out, write the song, and it was on like little scraps of paper while he's on the bus and um, just any downtime. And he said that was true. That was how he really would write just any little bit of paper and he would write down more like phrases and then piece them together later. So I thought that was a cool like way to make it feel more true. That's something I wouldn't have thought of. I would have just been like, yeah, give him a notebook. But the little scraps were more true to what he would do. Um, He had lived in trailers before, but he didn't grow up in one. I know is the house where he actually grew up um, is famous. It was on one of his albums, right? Yeah, the Jasmine home. So they actually demolished it. And when they did, Mm. they were selling the bricks from the house. And I mean, they were pretty expensive. (laughs) But like, I I went online to try to buy one, but they were already sold out. And I was so mad. Wow. Wow. How much were they going for? They were going for like a couple hundred dollars for like a single brick (laughs) from the house. Wow. Wow. And who was selling those? It was in really bad condition. I'm not sure who was actually selling them. Actually, no, I think it was Eminem. It was supposed to go to, like, his foundation or something, the proceeds from it, from what I remember. Yeah. That would have been awesome if we would have gotten a brick. A brick, but respect that you tried. (laughs) (laughs) And then he really does have a longtime friend named Proof, but his real-life Proof is more like Future, who is played by Mickey Pfeiffer. Is that how you say his name? Mackay Pfeiffer. Mackay Pfeiffer. Yeah. Thank you, Heather. (laughs) And he said that Proof was the one who kind of got him into the rap world in Detroit. What did he say? Um, uh, I don't know if this is politically correct to say, but Proof was my ghetto pass. 
(laughs) (laughs) So he would hand him the mic and be like, you should listen to this guy. And that's how he was able. So that was really similar to the future character. Other similarities, the mom character, similar to Eminem's real mom, the same kind of struggles and criticisms that he um, sings about on his albums. Um, his little sister, Lily, in the movie is was the same age as his daughter, Haley. So that was how it was similar and different. A yeah. lot of dead-end jobs, just like in the movie. It took me a while to realize in the movie that that was not his daughter, because I knew in real life he had a daughter. So I'm glad they made that clear at some point. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that at first when we saw her, and then they clear that up quickly. Mm-hmm. And then he really did battle in Detroit, and he said the stakes were really high. It was like winning a championship in basketball, really intense. If he lost, he felt like his life was crumbling. But he said the movie really took him back to that time and place in his life. He was like, he said, it stripped me of all ego before I was Eminem, before I was anybody. But then the differences. Cheddar Bob (laughs) was a real-life friend, but he was not a complete moron. He did not shoot himself. I, my I, jaw literally dropped open at that moment. I was so <laughs> shocked that Cheddar Bob accidentally shot himself. <laughs> that was a crazy moment. I didn't even realize that he was actually like a friend, but was not that big of a moron, to be honest. I didn't even know about that. So. Oh, okay. Hey, so you, we taught I, you something. You did teach me something. Yay. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Um, Yeah, but when he put that gun back in his pants, I was just like, no, (laughs) you didn't put the safety on, did you? (laughs) Yeah. And then, so this movie took place in, was supposed to take place in 1995, but, or or 1990. I think 95, yeah. 95, okay. Um, And Eminem was famous by that time, so. In 95? In, it said he, he... Oh, he released an album a year later in 96. Yeah, so, so he his, would have been already working. Yeah, so his first album, Infinite, was like a flop. Um, he didn't actually oh. become famous in 1999, until 1999, when the Slim Shady LP came out, which was hmm. produced by uh, Dr. Dre. Oh, okay. Yep. That's a pretty good connection to have. I can see why you would have a little more success with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Dre would help you out. And then in real life, Baby Marshall did have big ears, but his family didn't call him Rabbit. They called him Mickey. Hmm. Wow, you guys are teaching me stuff. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then for the character, uh, Eminem did cover all of his own tattoos, probably so that it wouldn't feel like it was just Eminem playing himself. But also, how would they explain how he had that much money to afford all that ink? Because True expensive yeah so those were the similarities and differences i found well i wanted to do a little bit of geographical research to complement this biographical research i am not familiar with detroit geography unlike probably many people like heather who are much more familiar with eminem eight mile road definitely a real road And thanks to the Detroit Historical Society, I now know that it started as a road back in the 1920s. This thing has been around forever. Uh, Now it's huge. Started as a dirt road. Now it's eight lanes, 20 miles, and it's about eight miles from the shore, which is where it gets its nickname. Didn't know that. So 
that was your geographical little tidbit for the day. And also, <laughs> uh, that is not why it's important, though, that it's eight miles from the shore. According to this Detroit historical website, they were saying this is a physical dividing line, but also a psychological one. This is kind of where cultures change from one side of the city to the other, and especially from white to African-American. So now it's not as stark a difference of where um, different people of different races live. Now it's not as divided by that road, but it still kind of has that reputation and it's definitely associated with that de facto segregation, especially because also in the 1970s, there was a mayor that made some really insensitive comments about talking about how people on Eight Mile Road were involved with crime and there was just a lot of negative reaction to that and there's just been Mm. kind of a history of that frustration there. So now it's still a really busy road. A lot of people use it, but it is also, there is a lot of crime on that street. You can find prostitutes and strip clubs and junkies there all the time, according to this website. So this mayor, I think, there was a reason they said it, but at the same time was just done so insensitively and totally just with no understanding of how people feel about that. And of course, now this road is famous thanks to Eminem and he did live right by there. So apparently they filmed right around there and there is also a map I'll share in our Tumblr. You can find a lot of the places that this movie was filmed because a lot of it really was filmed on eight mile and in nearby Detroit areas. Oh, that's cool. Heather, have you been, do you, have you like gone and tried to find some of the sites of the movie? I have not. I mean, every time I like go to Detroit, I definitely take pictures of the sign that says like, get off at eight mile, but I have not actually gone to like, I'm, I'm a stand, but like, I'm usually up there for like work or something like that. So yeah, I don't want to go look for stuff. But um, I mean, I've thought about like before they demolished the Jasmine house, which is where he grew up. I've definitely thought about like visiting that, which I now regret not doing. But yeah, I mean, I haven't gone and looked at like eight mile or anything like that. Gotcha. Well, and I mean, the last few times I've been in Detroit, I've been in the pretty downtown Ford Theater, I think it's called, and the hockey stadium. But then I've also been to the other side where homes are kept together with plywood and you can tell just random scraps of material. It's, it's, I don't know, it's, it's unlike everything I've, anything I've seen as far as like how quickly you're in the wealthy side of town and the absolutely poor desolate side of town. Yeah. It's really strange. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I I know that Detroit is doing I mean, they're doing better. They're they're kind of seeing a turnaround. I mean, I don't know. Actually with this COVID nineteen, they're being affected really yeah. bad over there, but yeah. I did see that Eminem did get some mom spaghetti delivered to uh, Detroit Hospital. <laughs> yes, he did. Henry Ford. Um, yeah, I was actually so I was so sad, not sad, upset. So back in December of 2017, he did like a pop up of like mom spaghetti and you could like go um, to the shelter and meet him, which is like St. Andrew's Hall. 
wow. and then like get some of his like mom's spaghetti. But obviously, I have a six year old daughter, so I couldn't just like randomly like make a trip up to Detroit to do that. Um, but like, and he's also done that pop up at like um, festivals and stuff like that, like Coachella. Um, but to hear him like donating that to the hospitals and stuff is amazing. Um, and and he really, I mean, the fact that he like. I mean, he grew up in Detroit, he stays in Detroit, he continues to give back is like, I think is amazing. So. Yeah, he has such a connection to that place. And it's, it's kind of surprising because it, he didn't live a very good life there for a long time. So I wonder if it's he wants to try to invest to make it better for the next generation or just wonder what his reasoning is for for going back because I totally get just wanting to leave because you have some bad memories and there's you know there's um opportunity elsewhere yeah I mean I think he just really cares for the city I mean he sees like he he's the kind of person who wants to give back I mean he I know he's controversial sometimes and I know his lyrics sometimes are like but he's just somebody who wants to give back and and do good by by the people I think um, so I think that's why he stays around there. I mean, Haley went to Michigan State, um, which mm. was really cool. Um, and then he actually, <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but he actually has three daughters. So Haley's his biological daughter. And then he has Whitney, who is another, who Kim had um, a daughter with somebody else, but he adopted her. And then they have Elena, which is actually Kim's sister's daughter, who they adopted. So he has actually three daughters, not just Haley. Hmm. I did not know wow. that. Yep. I follow all of them on Instagram. Well, no, not <laughs> Elena. She doesn't have one. But I follow Haley and um, Whitney on Instagram. So Okay. Are you trying to um, get them to be Peyton's babysitter? No, they might be a little too old for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, Whitney would be around that age. Haley's, she's like an IG influencer now, so... That makes sense. Yeah. Well, I did want to ask you, Heather, how you felt about Eminem appearing at the Oscars a few months ago. I loved it. I mean, <laughs> it just makes me happy <laughs> when I saw the video. I mean, I like watching him. Watching people's reactions in the crowd was like probably my favorite part, though, because they were kind of like, what mm. is going on? <laughs> but then they were kind of like, yeah, okay, yay. I don't know. Like, they were... I don't know. It was, it was cool. I mean, anytime I get to see his performances, I get excited. I'm constantly watching his music videos, constantly watching like old concerts of his. Like he's one of like my favorite people to watch. Music is like my, is kind of like my outlet. And he's like my number one when it comes to a musician or a rapper artist. Um, so like, yeah, I mean, just seeing him perform Anytime is awesome. I have not seen him in concert since he performed with Rihanna at the Monster Tour, which was, I want to say, back in probably 2014. So it's been almost six years since I've seen him in concert, which mm-hmm. makes me really, really sad. So, like, watching him perform on TV or in any capacity makes me super happy just because, yeah. you know. And didn't you say your daughter was six? Maybe there's a correlation there. Yeah, yep, she is six. <laughs> that, I mean, it just happens to be that he performed yeah. that year. But, um, I mean, he's – and 
because I always go to his Detroit concerts. And so he typically performs every like four to five years. So like I'm used to that. Cause I mean, the first time I saw him was when I was in high school. I was a senior in high school or no, I was, a, was I, I was junior in high school the first time I saw him at Comerica okay. and my parents dropped me off with like another friend and we went in there and we were like, this is the only time I was not like front row for him. Cause like I'm obsessed with him. So like this time I was actually like in the seats and mm-hmm. I remember people like, I was like smelling weird things. I was like, what's that smell? And it turned out to be, <laughs> you know, drugs that I didn't know about at the time. Um, but it, I mean, it was a lot of fun. I mean, so I've been going to his concerts, but for a long time, but he only performs every few years in Detroit and he's never gone six years without performing. So it feels like a really long time, but you know, it is what it is. So it's also about how available he is to go see. Got it. I thought you were saying you just haven't been, but now this makes more sense. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I have to say I was watching the Oscars this year when he came out. I was both surprised and confused, very delighted by crowd reactions because you could tell some people were getting very into it. But it was just kind of funny to hear about how they planned this and how why he didn't go in the first place. And apparently in 2003, he didn't go to the Oscars just because he didn't think he would win. He said he didn't even really understand that you could get an Oscar for a song. So he was kind of confused (laughs) about it. And he wasn't even watching the Oscars at home. He was just I think asleep when his keyboard player who produces with him and accepted the award got in touch with him and woke him up to say hey we won but (laughs) then he found out he's like oh this is cool so uh he said this time they just asked if it could be a surprise for him to come out and they apparently had the place on lockdown they had four or five rehearsals and they were not even in the theater because they wanted to keep it a secret and apparently it was part of his contract that if it leaked to the media he could cancel if he wanted wow wow Yeah, but apparently he thought, well, I just put out an album, so why not? (laughs) (laughs) He seems like just a very elusive celebrity. Like, I just always feel like I never know much about him. Granted, I'm not a stan, as you are, Heather. But he's always been someone that I'm just like, "Where, where did Eminem go? Oh, he's still around. He's just not sharing everything on Instagram, I guess. Yeah, I mean, like, he doesn't share a lot. You definitely, like, his team is the one who posts all of his social media, which, I mean, even for me is, like, frustrating because you can't find out a ton about him. But, I mean, I really like the fact that he's put out, like, three albums in the past few years. I mean, that's that's been – I mean, that's made me happy. So, because one of them was – At least one was a surprise album, right? Uh, yeah, the last two actually were. So okay. Kamikaze was surprised, and then Music to be Murdered by, which was released this year, was a surprise. Okay, so Heather, you first became a fan because like, his lyrics really resonated with you. Do they still, or is it you've been a fan, so you're continuing to be a fan? Or what is your relationship with his lyrics specifically now? They they still do. Even like his early music still does really resonate with me. I mean, I still struggle day-to-day with stuff I think like kamikaze and music to be murdered by those have been like lyrically they're really great I don't know if they necessarily resonate with me as much 
I kind of like his earlier mm-hmm. stuff, but they are lyric like lyrically they are amazing. Revival, which I know was like kind of a flop, just like Relapse was. I actually really like the album, just because they he does he touches on like when he was like in the hospital bed, like about to like die from his overdose. And like what in like his the doctors because like he was in there over Christmas and so and like his Haley's birthday is right around that time, and so like he was unresponsive like they weren't really able to see him and like just him talking about those difficult moments to me is I like like I love that because then it makes you feel like hey listen like things I'm going through it, I'm not the only one and I know that we all know that we're not the only one because. I feel like there's much, there's so much more awareness out there right now when it comes Mm -hmm. to like mental health and stuff like that. But sometimes you still do feel alone. And so when you hear somebody like singing those songs or rapping those lyrics and telling you like, Hey, you're not alone. Like it just makes you feel like, Hey, I can get through this just like he got through this. So. Yeah. And you have a whole community then of people like who love his music and, people who like those songs are really meaningful too. that hopefully you can kind of feel like you're a part of more than just you and Eminem, but all the other people listening. I'd prefer it's just me and Eminem. I'd prefer to be like, <laughs> I want to, I want to marry him. I, I, I actually have a picture of him next to my bed. I'm, I'm not lying. I have a picture of him that I bought the first concert I went to that is still sitting next to my bed. Like, like he's my boyfriend or something like that, which is kind of creepy, but. That's awesome. Nah. Um, So he, you love him like Taylor and I love Gilmore Girls. I mean, I don't have a picture, a photo of them next to my bed, but if I did have a photo of anyone next to my bed that wasn't an actual person I knew, it would probably be Gilmore Girls. So I don't have a picture of Lorelai and Rory, but I do have Gilmore Girls artwork on the wall right next to my bed. There we go. And I, I have do. it in my bathroom. So I do have Gilmore Girls pictures. They're just not like cut out pictures of the actors. They are just themed art. Gotcha. And nice. you know, I I have a, well, Gilmore Girls quote frame that you gave me, Taylor. The mm-hmm. what she tackles, she conquers. And that is the only movie, TV, anything that I have on display in my home. That's like from a TV or movie. So, yeah, I think we're all on the same page. Yeah. I have that quote (laughs) also in my bathroom. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Not the same artwork. This one was created by a friend on a canvas. But I think it subliminally inspired me to buy that for you. Gotcha. Well, I'm glad. I love (laughs) it. Okay, so, Heather, if you could... Kind of summarize... Okay, so 8 Mile. It's not totally Eminem. It's not exactly his real life. But do you feel like it is, when you're watching it, like it's Eminem? Or do you feel like it's B-Rabbit? I still feel like it's Eminem. I mean, it's not exactly his life, but it's very close to his life. Yeah, I I, I feel like it's, it's Eminem, not B-Rabbit. But that's me, personally. <laughs> okay. I mean, it it does feel like it's it's in Detroit. It's him rapping in the style that he does. So I agree. It feels like Eminem to me. Not B Rabbit. What what kind of name is B Rabbit? (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm, it's kind of cute, though. I like it. Like, I mean, <laughs> I like the name. I'm not going to lie, but yeah, I, I still feel like it's Eminem. So. Heather, thank you so much. You definitely, I'm so glad we had you because you could fill in all the little blanks like album titles and years and his <laughs> children's names and <laughs> all the details. So I'm glad I could teach you a couple small things. But yeah, You guys taught me three things. I'm actually really impressed. Like, you really did your research. So, yeah. Oh, good. Well, good. best of luck in <laughs> any future endeavors to get bricks from his homes. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out where he lives at this point. So, you know, okay. I know he lives in like a gated community probably. So I probably won't be able to get in there, but you know, maybe one day. Actually, I think he lives in, I mean, he lives in the outskirts of, De- of Detroit. So he lives in um, the suburbs. So, okay, yeah. Yeah. He recently sold, um, cause he was living in like the former CEO of Kmart's house. Like that's what his old house was, but they sold it. Again, when they like put that on the market, I was looking at it and I was like, "Could I buy that? I cannot afford a multi-million dollar house." <laughs> obviously, I'm an HR like director. I'm like, I can't afford that. But I looked at it. I looked at all the pictures and stuff. But yeah, yeah. that's what's always fun about when celebrities sell their home. You can go on the realty site and yeah. see those places. They're incredible. Yeah, but I mean, I've also like kind of like his sister-in-law. Her Instagram, like, I mean, she didn't have a ton of followers. She had like a like a couple thousand and I went back like on her feed for like a really long time and I was zooming in on Instagram pictures like when they were outside to see if I could see like street names and how like house numbers <laughs> like a total wow. creeper like I'm gonna show up to like Nate and her's house and be like hey I'm a huge Eminem fan will you introduce me to your brother <laughs> <laughs> like that's yeah yeah that's me. I really wish that we could have surprised you, Heather, on this and been like, and here's Eminem. But we don't have that kind of hookup. Yeah. No, no it's okay. Sorry. Yeah. Well, thank you. Stay sane during quarantine. Thank you. You but too. Appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Um, yeah, I'll talk Heather. to you again soon, hopefully. All right. Talk to you soon. <laughs> All right. Bye. All right, bye. Should we talk about how this fits into the world of Gilmore Girls? Yes. So... Fame, 8 Mile, what would be that mashup? (laughs) There would be a really great mashup that I will not sing slash rap, but I do (laughs) feel like those two songs should be combined in some way. So in both of those, well, Fame, the movie and TV show, because I don't know which one Rory was referencing, kids come from, sometimes come from nothing and try to make it big through their education at that school. Eminem's doing the same thing. Trying to make it big, not so much through education, but through networking, you might say. Meeting yeah. a lot of rappers and <laughs> honing his skills, uh-huh. brushing up that LinkedIn profile. So is Rory just saying that because fame and 8 Mile were thrilling tales of young people making it big? Um Less of a, let's take two parts from each and more of a, they're kind of similar in that idea. So, hey, Fame was a good movie and TV show. (laughs) And 8 Mile was a good movie. So, this article would be just as thrilling. Well, it is sort of interesting that she compares this, pardon me, I don't remember the ballerina's name and I don't want to call her the hippo, as other people do. (laughs) 
because that's just not kind <laughs> and apparently not accurate. That's a reflection of the costumer and not of the dancer. Exactly. But the story of this dancer doesn't really sound anything like the story of Eminem or the story of any of the kids in fame, except maybe that she went to Juilliard and this is an Almost elite art. got into Juilliard. She's oh, on that's the waiting right. list or something. Almost <laughs> went to Juilliard. <laughs> She was one of those kids at the beginning of fame that didn't make the cut. Yeah. And didn't get into the school. Um, she's danced in Miami. Miami, that's huge. <laughs> I mean, would you say that Detroit and Miami are just as interesting, cool? I would say they are both cool cities, of which I've seen very little to none. I have basically spent my time at one friend's house, at a wedding venue, <laughs> and in an airport in Detroit. Okay. And I have never been to Miami. Okay. Sorry, Miami. I have watched many episodes of Jane the Virgin set in Miami, but Here that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, but both of those things are a lot grittier than this girl's life sounds. I mean, obviously, I feel for her. This was kind of a crappy article for her to see after doing a performance. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't sound like her challenges have been quite the same as Eminem slash B-Rabbit and the kids in fame. Yeah. To me, she was trying to use those two successful you know, movies and TV show to say that her article could be just as grand. But, but yeah, there are really no similarities in... In that Yale student's story, except that she is a performer. Though perhaps it is Rory trying to make it more exciting than her life story really is. She feels bad about making this ballerina feel bad. So she thinks, oh, maybe if I can write a really cool story showing how much she's overcome, maybe it'll fix that relationship yeah. and her reputation on campus. And the way to do that is not to say, you know, it's kind of like that um, high school musical where, <laughs> you know, they're just like struggling because their friends are kind of judging them. And then they overcome that judgment. Yeah. Yeah, I would say high school musical would be a better comparison <laughs> than these movies. Yeah. Yeah. So, Taylor? So, Kyla? That's our show? That's our show! Ooh. Thank you again, Heather, for schooling us on all things M&M. Your knowledge is yeah, impressive. Yeah, we went to school. <laughs> the Heather School of M&M. Yes. And I do want you to know, there are a couple other Gilmore Girls references we didn't really talk about today, but I do just love that at one point, Emily calls him that filthy Eminem fellow. <laughs> that is a thing that happens in the story of Gilmore Girls. That is a description I'm sure many parents and grandparents at the time used. Honestly, I mean, that's... At the time, I told you. Eminem and 50 Cent. Mm -hmm. No bueno. <laughs> Find us on the social meds. Yeah. So it's a show on Twitter. So it's a show podcast.tumblr.com. So it's a show at gmail.com. Hit us up. Tell us all the things. If you have a reference you want to know about, tell us about them. Yeah. Are you watching way more Gimmel Girls during quarantine? Do you have questions? We're here to answer them. Yeah. 
we are. And uh, that's all I really got. Should we give them a teaser for the next step? Let's do it. Lorelai, what are you wearing? Uh, I'm sorry, you're horrified by what I'm wearing? You're wearing crimson. I'm not wearing crimson. Oh, she can't go like that. Crimson is Harvard's color. That's a very dangerous choice to make today, Lorelai. I'm not wearing crimson. I'm wearing red. Same thing. Very different. Look at Rory. Rory is dressed in Yale colors. Why can't you be like Rory? Rory looks perfect. Rory got dressed five minutes before you got here and she's wearing my sweater. Hey. Well, I could just as easily have been the one dressed right. You can wear my jacket. You have a samurai sword under those pom-poms, Mom, because you're going to have to kill Bill me to get me into the arm. Yes, ma'am.